let's all stand together. We lift up our voices as we sing. I sing the mighty power of God. I sing the mighty Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you with humble hearts, thanking you for your many blessings to us. And I pray that you would give us the wisdom and insight to live our lives as a life of faith, yielding, walking with you. Please be with us as we worship this morning. Stir our hearts and draw us nearer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. 
Please stand and together we lift up our voices as we sing Light of the World, Here I Am to Worship.
take your Bibles with me, if you would, turn to First Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read to you verses 4 down through 10. The title of our message this morning is Our Beloved Church Family. Coming off of the theme of this being Valentine's weekend, loving one another. Here we find the Apostle Paul as he's being inspired by God to write to the church in Thessalonica. And as he writes to them, he addresses them as his beloved brethren. In fact, when you come down to verse 4, if you'll look with me at chapter 1, verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians, it says, Knowing brethren beloved. Which simply means my brotherhood that I love. And you and I, as we come to church and as we come to worship one with another, as we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ, we love one another because of our faith. It's what brings us together. We're all different. We have different backgrounds, different circumstances, not a big racial diversity among us because of where we live, but there is an economic diversity, a gender diversity, an age diversity. But what brings us together is our faith. So when you look at verses 4 down through 10 in 1 Thessalonians 1, you find him talking about this family that loves one another. And that's my goal this morning is for us to see why we love one another, what brings us together, what unites us as brothers and sisters in Christ. The first part, when we look at verses 4 and 5, we find that it's simply because we are fellow believers. So listen as I read to you all the verses, but then I'm going to go back and focus on verses 4 and 5. He says, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So that ye were in, in samples or examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord unto all in Macedonia and Achaia. But also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from the idols uh, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So as Paul writes to these people, as he writes to that church, as he writes to that brotherhood of sisters and brothers in Christ, he's reflecting on what it is he loves about them and they love about him. And as I mentioned, the first point we see is in verses 4 and 5, and that is simply that they are fellow believers. In fact, in verse 4, when he says, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, we come to this word election that so many people theologically have made so complicated, when it's actually quite simple. It means that God has elected or chosen those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So when he looks at all the, all the faiths around the world, God says there's one way, and Jesus said it. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Amen. And God says, absolutely, my plan, what I devised, what I put into place, in fact, God says, what I paid for was a price, a shed blood, a sacrifice. Jesus Christ on the cross. And so he elects, he chooses all those who have put their faith and trust 
in Jesus Christ. He chooses them. He says, you are my children. You're born into the family of God. You've accepted my plan. You've embraced it, embraced my sacrifice. I elect, I choose to make you part of my family. And so he starts off in verse four, simply by reflecting on that, knowing brethren, beloved, your election of God. Then he kind of breaks it up in verse 5 to help us to understand what it is for us to put our faith and trust in Christ, to be part of that election, to be part of that chosen people in the family of God. He starts off by saying to us, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. So when he says it not in word only, he means it did come in word, but not only in word. So he's talking about the word of God, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Paul is saying, You became Christians not only by that word, but by that word. Because every one of us did hear somewhere, sometime, that Jesus died for our sins. Now, maybe you were a little child sitting in a Sunday school class, or maybe you were riding in the car talking to mom and dad about God and asking questions, or maybe you grew up and you were on the job and a coworker was sharing with you about Jesus Christ, but somewhere somebody shared with you the word. But Paul is saying to the church, part of what made us a brotherhood is not just that you heard by the word, but he says also, look at, as he continues in verse five, also by power. He says, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in That reminds me of Matthew 28, verse 20, which is part of the Great Commission, where Jesus Christ sends us forth to preach the word. But in that Great Commission, he tells us, he says, Lo, I am with you always unto the end of the earth. Because his power is ever present with us. Part of what makes us the brotherhood, part of what makes us part of this church, Part of what makes us believers is the work and power of Jesus Christ in us and through us. In fact, he goes on in that verse. He says, not only is it a power, but look at what he goes on to say. Also in power and in what? The Holy Ghost. He wants us to step back in wonder and awe. He says, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ did not leave us alone. If you remember in John 14, he says, I'm going to send another, another even as myself, meaning who he is, the Holy Ghost, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, ever with us, present in us, power, the person of God. So he reminds us, this brotherhood that is so beloved, this kinship that we have that makes us love one another, This is a kinship that is is a part of the very election of God. As God looked down through time and he said, I will pay the price for your sins if you will put faith in me. And we hear that through the word. We're touched by the power of the message. By Christ himself. We're moved and stirred through the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And it draws us ever closer and nearer to the Lord himself. We have a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a church. And we do love one another because we are fellow believers. But he continues down a little bit farther as we go into verse 6. He wants us to understand there's more to it. We love each other not just because we're fellow believers, but we're also fellow followers. Now, being a follower is not always a bad thing. You know, sometimes we raise our kids and we tell them, we say, now, don't be a follower, be a leader. And that's wonderful. 
except if everybody's a leader, who's a follower? Amen? When you get on the job site, if everybody's the boss, it makes for a hard day, doesn't it? At your house, when everybody's home and all the kids are gathered around, if everybody's in charge, we call that mayhem, don't we? We, there are times and places where we all must be a follower. And you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're fellow followers. Listen to what he goes on to say here as we come into verse 6. He says, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. He says, part of what makes me love you is we are all following together our Lord Jesus Christ. You're following me, I'm following you. We're all following as we go forth, walking with the Lord. I want you to turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Ephesians. And I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read to you verses 19 down through 22. Because we find a great text here that deals with you and I being fellow followers. Following the Lord, following the apostles. Listen to what it says here in verse 19. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. Isn't that wonderful to know? That when we come to church, we're no longer strangers and foreigners. When we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and we walk in those doors and we come down into that foyer and we shake hands or smile or however we're doing it, bumping elbows or whatever's happening. When we come in here, we're no longer strangers and foreigners. But what are we? We're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God, fellow citizens, not foreigners, not strangers. We are kin in Christ, following together. Listen to what he goes on to say in verse 20. And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So he helps us to understand why do we love each other as fellow followers? Because we have foundational truth that we draw to. We follow the teachings of the apostles. Christ chose them. He trained them. He sent them forth. He inspired them to pen down the words that you and I are reading this morning. You and I are following these teachings that God laid down through these apostles. And today, what makes us who we are? Because we're Bible believers. You and I, in, in all of Christendom, we are people who take our Bibles and we say, yes, I'm going to read it, I'm going to believe it, and I'm gonna do my best to live it. That's what makes us unique and different. We are Bible believers. We want to follow that foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We believe it's right for every generation, for every age, whether we're five years old in the little junior primary class or whether we're senior citizens. But he doesn't leave it there. He says in Jesus Christ himself, being the chief cornerstone. Now, some of you who are maybe in the building trades you understand what it is to build off of something that is right and perfect. That's why they get out there with a transit. Eric is a surveyor. And, uh, and everything I'm going to say is probably old-fashioned. Because now I'm sure it's all beaming off a satellite and everything else. But when we built the land, uh, the buildings here, they came with transits. And they shot those lines and they held a pole and it came to a point. Everything had to come off of a dead reckoning. Well, back then they didn't have transits. 
They didn't have satellites. They're not beaming anything off anywhere. But what they would have is a cornerstone. And that cornerstone would be perfectly square. And they would lay that cornerstone. And then they would stretch a line off that cornerstone. It's not that many generations ago when they did this. And they would stretch a line. And then they'd move it. They'd make sure it's touching just perfect. And they'd put a stake. And they'd work off of that corner. And they would build a complete perfect square, all based off of one complete perfect cornerstone. And who is our cornerstone? What's it saying? It says Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You see, we are following that perfect reckoning that's what makes us a brother and sister in Christ. That's what makes this brotherhood so beloved. Is that we've all gone ahead and said, yes, I put my faith and trust in the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, who God sent forth to die for my sins, that I might have eternal life. And not only do I accept him, I follow him. I trust his reckoning. He comes down in that text there in Ephesians chapter 2. We, we look at verse 20, 21. It says, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Sometimes we forget that we individually and cooperatively, we are the holy temple of the Lord. He dwells within us and moves within us. Verse 22, he says, In whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Wow! Why do we love one another in Christ? Because God dwells in each and every one of us. Now, are we all that lovely? Listen. Some of us are bald. Some of us have amazing hair like John. Some of us are tall. Some of us are not so tall. Some of us are a bit portly. Some of us are quite svelte. We're all different, aren't we? Every one of us. Some of us are just barely trying to pay our electric bill. And some folks are wondering, what's the problem? Just take it out of the millions you've got. But the reality is, all of us, no matter who we are, God says when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he dwells within us. We are the temple of God. Why do I love you and you I want you to love me, you should love me. Why? Because God dwells in me and God dwells in you. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Are we all that lovely? No, but God in us is. Some of us are a little short-tempered. Some of us are so patient and laid back, it drives everybody crazy. I mean, we're all different. But God dwells in us. And we look past our frailties, our shortcomings, our idiosyncrasies. And we love one another because of Christ in us. So yes, we are fellow believers. But we are also fellow followers. We follow the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. We follow that chief cornerstone of our Lord Jesus Christ. And his indwelling within us. And if you go back with me to our text, I'll show you the third thing. That makes us love one another in this text. Not just that we're fellow believers, not just that we are fellow followers, but also we are fellow leaders. So it's not that I don't want you to be leaders, but we all have to know when to follow and when to lead, don't we? So look with me at verse 7 as we pick it up here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7. So that ye were in samples or examples. To all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. That makes you a leader. When you become the example, all of a sudden you step into the role of leadership. 
no matter what it is you're playing, no matter what it is you're doing, no matter what the role is that somebody has brought you to, once they make you the example, you're the leader. So we'll, we'll I, I like to pick on Louis sometimes, but Louis is my example of the ultimate electrician. He's retired now, although he still does a little tiny bit here and there. But when I look at his work, I go, you know, because he did a lot of work here in the church, all of that, and everything is so straight. You know, it, it drove Andre crazy when he was a kid growing up and, and he's teaching him how to be a wire. You know that there had to be those times when Louis came and said, that's not quite straight enough, son. I, no, maybe not. I'm just saying. But he is an example of what a really good electrician does. But then when all of a sudden I raise him up to that point, now he's going to be a leader, doesn't he? Because if somebody says to him, Louie, will you come over and look at my wiring at my house? And he's thinking, oh. <laughs> and he looks at it and it's all over the place. Now he's got to be the leader who says, well, it could use some improvement. And he's got to lead them. Every one of us in our lives, God says to us, we are examples. In our world, in our circle, in our peer circle of influence, we are leaders. So he comes down and he says to every one of us, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need to not speak anything. Paul says, I don't even have to tell people. They've already heard about the gospel because of you, because of your leadership, because of the example you have been. The way you've lived your faith and practiced your faith, the way you received Christ and the way you have followed the teaching of the apostles and the chief cornerstone of Jesus Christ, the word has spread. Don't you ever step back and just think for a moment, how did Christianity become the number one religion in the entire world? And it started in that little podunk Israel. It is not big. It's not a big place. But through the power of God and the leadership of people just like you and I, sharing and living our faith, being an example and teaching and helping and showing, it began to spread. Now, it's not that it didn't have its opposition. It absolutely had its opposition, both among the Jews as well as the Roman Empire. They tried to crush it, stomp it, put it out. But it's like anything that's got really good ambers. What happens is when you stomp on that, they kind of spread out, don't they? And that's exactly what happened when they stomped on the embers of the gospel. Whew, those embers spread all out. And they'd stomp on another one. and whew, It would spread out even farther. So you and I today, in our generation, in our time, we love each other because we are fellow believers. We are fellow followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you and I, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our family, we are fellow leaders. We're saying, come, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says... Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. See, you and I, every one of us, every man, woman, and child, we are chosen to be that leader who takes what we have learned and we share it with others. He comes down into verse 9. He says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turn to God from idols to serve 
the living and true God. You and I, we've chosen to serve the true and living God. That's what makes us a leader. Is we are saying, yes, I'm going to lay aside the old. And I am going to become that new creature in Christ. And I am going to serve him in my life. What brought us here Sunday morning? You know, you could be out ice fishing. You could be skiing. You could be jet skiing in a wetsuit. Maybe in that little bit of open water on Lake Champlain. <laughs> I mean, who knows what you could be doing this morning. But you chose to come and be here. We chose to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We came here to worship him. To sing praises to him. To pray to him. We chose to bring our offerings to invest into the kingdom of God. Some of you chose to teach little boys and girls down below, both in Sunday school and right now while we're in here, down in primary church and junior church. Somebody chose to come and volunteer in the nursery and watch little babies. You saw this morning, people chose to come and serve the Lord with an instrument playing and in singing. We all choose to serve in our own way. Some of you this morning, you invested the time to get your children up. You had to get them motivated. You had to get them dressed. You had to get them out into the car. That was harder work than teaching a Sunday school class. <laughs> but you chose to do it. Because we want to serve the Lord. And it is part of what makes us love one another. As we gather together and as we see each other, there's a little smile in our hearts that says, hey, there's somebody, so-and-so, that person. I'm so glad to see them in God's house today. So when we see this text, and the Apostle Paul writes to that church in Thessalonica, we could change it, and we could make it to Victory Baptist Church right here in Waltham, Vermont. And some of you are thinking, Waltham? Where's Waltham? This is it. You're in it. In our little point of earth, as we come together, we love one another. Yes, it is Valentine's weekend. And tomorrow there will be all kinds of roses given and et cetera, et cetera, little boxes of candy. There'll be... Notes sent in lunch pails and boys and girls that, I don't know if they still do this, do they still exchange the little uh, things at school? Isn't that sweet? I, I loved that when I was a kid. But you know, more important than all of that is that we love one another, pray for one another, help each other, reach out to one another, encourage one another. Because we are a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a family of faith. Let's bow our heads as we come to the end of our service. And as your head is bowed and mine as well, I just ask you to look in your heart. Have you received Christ? Have you chosen to follow him? As a believer, are you willing to lead Father in heaven, as we come to this moment of reflection, I just pray that it would be you that stirs our hearts and beckons us nearer to you. Help us. Help us to look to that chief cornerstone. Help us to lean upon the teachings of those apostles and prophets. Help us to help one another as we Believe, follow, and lead. We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to take just a moment. Maybe this morning you have never received Christ as your Savior. And the Holy Spirit has stirred your heart and said, I need to do that.
I need to be a part of the family of God. I need to be part of the elect. Then this verse, as we sing this verse, just come right here, look up at me and say, Pastor, I need to receive Christ today. I will be thrilled to have somebody open the Bible, sit down, talk with you, answer your questions and pray with you today for you to receive Christ. Let's sing this one verse. John, I think, has a closing song for you. And I also have a little note. I will do movie snacks for tonight and have an activity bag for the kids. I'm thinking Sandra Jo sent that up here. She is that snack activity bag gal. So tonight, if you come for the movie, uh, she says snacks. Is it lobster and stuff or... Smash. <laughs> All right, I got the point. <laughs> Let's have a word of prayer, and then we've got one more song. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we go forth. I pray that you would give us wisdom to be the kind of brotherhood, sisterhood that represents you everywhere we go. Please give us safety as we go to our homes. Bring us back tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Father, we love you, we worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Glorify thy name, glorify thy name, glorify Jesus, we